We've been told all our lives that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, we prefer this saying, the voice can paint what the eyes can't see. That is, a voice, its quality, its power, its nuance can paint a thousand pictures. This episode is about the singers that have painted the best pictures with their voice. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like car talk meets behind the music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, who is the greatest singer of all time? That's the age-old question. Clint, it's important to say up front, we're talking about the best singers. We plan a separate episode on the best front men and women. For example, I might put Mick Jagger on my list of best front men, someone who, through inspired showmanship, led his band and whipped the audience into a frenzy. But I'm not including him in my list of best singers. That makes perfect sense. Another note, there are different ways to be great as a singer. Some have incredible range. Some sing with incredible feel. Fly me to the moon. Let me play up there with those stars. Soul. Expressivity. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Wit. Timing, pitch, delicacy, power. In this episode, we'll make a case for the singers that did it best. And we expect to hear from you on where we spectacularly got it wrong. (laughs) Clint, who do you have first and why? My first pick for the greatest singer of all time is Prince. Mm. We've talked about him so many times on this podcast. Prince has released 39 albums and he has a vault of albums right in hundreds and hundreds of songs albums worth yeah. and and videos too I, apparently he's got this whole catalog of finished videos just to put in perspective why prince is the man he played in 2007 he played 21 concerts in london for the earth tour and it was 21 nights at the 20,000 capacity o2 arena and side note maceo parker was in his band at the time Tickets for those shows were capped by Prince at $48.66. The residency of the O2 Arena was increased to 15 nights after all 140,000 tickets for the original seven sold out in 20 minutes. Wow. It was then further extended to 21 nights. So obviously he was moving people. Right. And what made Prince so spectacular is A, his musicianship was ridiculous. He could play every instrument on stage 
as well as the person on stage playing that instrument. Or better. Or better. And everyone knew it. He was also this enigmatic, oddball, sexy, weird, androgynous human. And just people were enthralled by that. But that's not today's episode. Today's episode is straight up vocals. Yeah. And Prince's vocals are from another planet. He can growl. He can make these squeaks that you, they're so high. Like, you know, when you try to sing a high note and you like lift your, I can't even feel where those notes are. And then he's got a song like Kiss. You don't have to be beautiful. Where he sings falsetto and he just absolutely crushes every note, does it live. He's so accurate as a singer. And he's so versatile that I put him high on the running for greatest singer worldwide ever lifetime. Hmm. I want to play a specific example of him by himself with an acoustic guitar at Webster Hall, how he owns the audience. It's your time. You feel the cute baby, you know it. He's just pitch perfect. Cream. Get on top, cream. You will cut, cream. Don't you stop, cream. Trouble get back. You're so good, baby. Think nobody better. I, I don't know. It's gonna be tough to beat Prince, but good start. Good start, Clint. This is our 19th episode, and somehow. Somehow we've never once mentioned Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. How is that possible? So Steven Tyler is the lead singer. He's been called the demon of screaming. <laughs> oh, that's good. And he screams just about as well as anyone in music history. which generally means the vocal range is from C3 to C5. But Tyler can sing up to E6. In other words, his vocal range is incredible. <laughs> Here's Steven Tyler hitting the E6 in Crazy. His two biggest influences were James Brown and Paul McCartney. And it's interesting. He's got elements of both. Huh. Let's play a couple peak moments in Aerosmith's catalog. Dream On. Oh. Dream on, dream on, dream on, dream until your dream comes Janie's got a gun. Tell me now it's what did her daddy do? He a little bitty baby. Got the Crying. Yeah. 
guitar instructor. I took one guitar lesson in college, and the guy I took a lesson from was friends with Joey Kramer and Joe Perry from Aerosmith. I think he was from New Hampshire, maybe. Went to school with those guys or whatever. He told me a story about Steven Tyler doing vocal takes. He was so deadly accurate singing his own harmony. So he would go into the booth. He knew exactly what was happening for every part of the song. And he would just run the session from the vocal booth. Like a lot of times you have a vocal producer outside being like, that was a little flat. Why don't you try it one more time? He knew every piece of what he was doing. Knew every heart. He'd be like, all right, okay, start another track. Take me back. Go. Nail it. Okay. Start another track. I'm going to do it. A one on top of that. Go. Sweet. And he was just so quick and so accurate and so interesting with his vocal choices. And if you listen to those Aerosmith records, there's a lot of vocal harmony. Don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing because even when I dream of you, the sweetest dream would never do I'd still miss you, babe And I don't want to miss a thing Vocal harmony used as pads mm. And that's all Steven Tyler Like just building Building a keyboard sound out of his voice Cause even when I dream again The sweetest dream would never do I'd still miss you, babe And I don't want to miss a thing one smile and I don't want to miss one kiss. He's so, so good. Interesting. Good, good choice. I'd love to talk for a second before I continue about some of the things that I think make a great singer. Great. First of all, there's got to be a distinction between that pure singing voice and character, in quotes, meaning the mimic ability of that singer, right? So, there's a lot of impersonations of singers out there. In fact, on Jimmy Fallon on the late night show, there's like spin the wheel and you have to do an impersonation of that singer. That to me is more impressive than someone who can soul yodel, who can just go, ah, you know, who's super right. accurate and like doesn't necessarily have a character in their voice. So the people that I'm choosing are people that are mimicable whether you can do it or not, you can't, but that people try to mimic because their voices are so them and so, so interesting. Mm. So I look at somebody like Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons. Just a young gun with the quick fuse. I was uptight. I love Imagine Dragons. I'm actually a huge fan of Imagine Dragons. I love their songs. And the thing about their songs is I hear a new song and I'm like, who is this? I love this song. And then I'll look it up and it's Imagine Dragons. And now that I've listened to him obsessively, I can pick out his voice. But for the first 10 singles, I had to look up each time. I would be like, who is this band? It's so cool. And they're slightly different. Like some are more electronic and some are like fake drums and real drums. But the voice never came through as the same human. That's so interesting. Whereas my next choice, you know this person the second you hear their voice. And that's Michael Jackson. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. 
It's gonna feel real good Gonna make a difference Gonna make it right I talk about Michael Jackson I do, that's what I do I love Michael Jackson as an artist early on But you're right, he's gotta be in the conversation For greatest vocalist I see the kids in the street With not enough to eat Who am I to be blind Pretending not to see their need what he has done is he's created words that were not in the human language that now exist as a singer. Chamo, chamo. What is that? And like these are things that people do to mimic Michael Jackson. Right. I can't sing as high as he can sing, and not many people can. He has a very high voice. Started when he was five years old. And he kept the same voice, it seems like, his entire career. Let's just hear a little bit of Michael singing when he's like six years old. Great. You went to school to learn, girl, things you never, never do before. I hate I before E except after C. And why two plus two makes four, nine, 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 I'm gonna teach you all about love, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, you, you, you know the kid's gonna be a star. You can't teach that. It. What is it? It's like this vibrato, but also like this... Soul. attitude and soul and he's got so much attitude for this little kid it's like yeah he's like wagging his finger at you like he's like this little kid but he's got and it's high and it's a kid's voice but he's it there's so much realness and and accuracy too i mean he's really accurate back well then. and one piece of evidence that you can't teach this is that he was the youngest of eight kids so like if it could be taught then they'd all sound like that. right Right. There was only one Michael Jackson only one. in that family and on this planet. That's true. And Jermaine wanted to be that. I'm sorry, Jermaine. Sorry, Tito. <laughs> so Jackson had 13 Billboard Hot 100 number one singles, more than any other male artist in the Hot 100 era, and was the first artist to have a top 10 single in the Billboard Hot 100 in five different decades. Pretty impressive. Incredible. I have the stuff that you want. I am the thing that you need. She looked me deep in the eyes. She touching me so to start. She says there's no turning back. She got me One thing I learned doing this research was that he recorded with Freddie Mercury from 1981 to 1983, recording demos of State of Shock, which is a song, Victory, and There Must Be More to Life Than This. And the recordings were intended for an album of duets, but according to Queen's manager, Jim Beach, the relationship soured when Jackson brought a llama into the recording studio. (laughs) And Jackson was upset with Mercury's drug use. But apparently, Michael used to take these two llamas into the studio. And and I guess Freddie wasn't down with that. But what an amazing Freddie and Michael together. Incredible. Ooh-wee, I had no idea about that. You've mentioned Freddie Mercury. He has to be in the conversation for greatest singers of all time. He had an amazing four-octave range. What's interesting is he was born with four supernumerary incisors. So he has these massive teeth. Yeah. And that's what he attributed his enhanced vocal range to. That his mouth was somehow like... Different. Make different shape than everybody else. And who's to argue? Because the guy could sing so high and so powerfully. Anyway, the wind 
matter to me, to me. He's got this fast vibrato. So, like, here's an example. Mama! you cry if i'm not back again this time tomorrow carry on you know it's like he gets that thing it's like this power but it's so freddie mercury it is it's like operatic yeah it is very operatic and it and it's but it's also like he's a very versatile singer he can sing softly and whispery or he can sing belting at the top of his voice Each morning I get up, I die a little Can't barely stand on my feet Take a look in the mirror and cry Lord, what you doing to me? I have spent all my years in believing you But I just can't get no relief Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody Can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Unbelievable emotion yeah. out of that guy, too. And he was such a queen. He was such a flamboyant dude. I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car passing by like Lady Godiva. I'm gonna go, go, go. There's no stopping me. I'm burning through the sky. 200 degrees, that's why they call me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm traveling at the speed of light. I wanna make a supersonic man out of you. Who do you got, Rich? We've talked a bunch on this podcast about Paul Simon. Personally, he's one of my all-time favorite singers. But his erstwhile partner, Art Garfunkel, has one of the sweetest voices in the history of popular music. Paul Simon wrote a song that was a particularly exquisite showcase of Art's vocal, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Oh, it's the greatest thing ever. When you're weary Feeling small When tears are Here's Paul and Art talking about the making of this song. It just came all of a sudden. You know, one minute it wasn't there, and the next minute the whole line was there. It's one of the shocking moments in my songwriting career, you know, and at the time I, I remember thinking this is really considerably better than I usually write. Uh, and then I wrote the lyrics, and then I showed the lyrics to... Uh, then I said to Artie, I wrote this song, and I think it's you, you should sing it. The whole damn song is a gem. I love running through the line from top to bottom and delivering Paul's intentions. It was a great two-verse song with the, with the most heartfelt of lyrics. It needed nothing. But the record maker in me loved the notion that these two verses could be a setup for a as yet unwritten third verse and we could be 
calling this all runway material for a takeoff that's waiting. Roy, Halley, and Artie says, you have to write a third verse. The song wants to be bigger, wants to be a really big song. And I said, no, it doesn't. It's a, it's a, it's a little hymn. It's just a little hymn. That's the way I hear it, you know? And they said, no, no, really, right? You really have to write a third verse. So I, I wrote a third verse in the studio, which I never do. You know, I, uh, I always take a long time to write, but I wrote this one in the studio. All your dreams are on their way. See how they shine. She began singing in church when she was a little girl and then became a background vocalist while in high school, but eventually got introduced to Clive Davis, who signed her to his label at the age of 19. And her first two studio albums, Whitney Houston came out in 1985 and Whitney came out in 1987, both peaked at number one on the Hot 100 and are among the best-selling albums of all time. Hmm. She was first cousins with Dion and Dee Dee Warwick. Hmm. Her godmother was Darlene Love, and her honorary aunt was Aretha Franklin, whom she met at age eight when her mother took her to a recording studio. So she was surrounded by this musicality from a very early age. Born in Newark, New Jersey. I think her pinnacle singing to me is I Will Always Love You from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Bittersweet memories that is all I'm taking with me so goodbye please don't cry we both know I'm not what you you need hear Whitney sing I will always love you it is like pure unadulterated perfection of the human voice it's the perfect amount of vibrato it's the perfect amount of power and she has so much control and the most amazing part is she would go into the studio and do it she would just do the song top to bottom and then leave and the producer would be like do you, you know, let's do a couple, let's do another one. And she'd be like, why? Right. I already did it. Right. And so those are like one take performances. She was so nails. She also did the Super Bowl. She did the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl. It 
went in the charts. Her version of the Star Spangled Banner. That song can often be cringeworthy. Yeah. And so many people do it. Literally every sporting event starts with that song. Right. So for her to have the most definitive version of that song is incredible. That's incredible and puts her higher in the high in the running for greatest singer of all time. back to the fact something you said about her being from New Jersey New Jersey claims a number of great singers Hmm. so we got Frank Sinatra Jersey John Bon Jovi Jersey Bruce Springsteen Jersey Whitney Houston there's gotta be other people there's a a huge list Tony Soprano hey hey Um, that's good and you know what I Will Always Love You obviously we talked about that as a Dolly Parton song Dolly Parton is, has an amazing voice. Yep. So it's saying a lot, and I think it's accurate to say that Whitney Houston eclipses Dolly Parton. I think so. And it's so tragic what happened to her, man. In researching this episode, Clint, I was reading a piece in GQ magazine about Ray Charles. The writer proposed the following. When it comes to the greatest singers in the world you have two kinds of vocalists. The people who make it sound like the world is a beautiful place and the people who tell you the truth. Oh, that's good. I love that so much and it describes a lot of the singers that I love that are maybe not objectively great, but subjectively great. Mm. And I want to go through very quickly a list of those singers. Hit me. So, Ray Charles. Georgia on my mind. Georgia. Georgia. 
the whole day through. Just an old sweet song keeps Georgia on my mind. Talk about telling you the truth. I said, Georgia. Georgia, a song of you comes as sweet and clear as moonlight through the pine. Here's another Ray, Ray LaMontagne, Trouble. Ah. Trouble, 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 trouble. Talk about making you feel the truth. Right? Worry, 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 worry just will not seem to leave my mind alone. Well, I've been Willie Nelson. I love Willie Nelson's voice. His nasal baritone is fairly limited, but that voice is so distinct, so beautiful, that I need to include him in this conversation. Here are some examples. Singing with another great singer, Merle Haggard, Poncho and Lefty. Living on the road, my friend, was gonna keep you free and clean. Now you wear your skin like iron And your breath is hard as kerosene Weren't your mama's only boy But her favorite one it seemed She began to cry when you said goodbye Sank into your dream Here's Always On My Mind Maybe I didn't love you Quite as often as I could have And maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have And a song from the great Red-Headed Stranger album Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain In twilight Blow, I see Blue eyes cry and rain When we kissed goodbye and part I knew we'd never meet again it's just amazing. He's just got his own thing, man. So speaking of Willie, Willie's son, Lucas Nelson. Yeah. His song, Find Yourself, my bandmate Brian Chartrand turned me on to this. He does this song with his band, Lucas Nelson, The Promise of the Real, and Lady Gaga singing. Well, I don't mind sleeping alone If it means I don't have to play your crazy game no more You're the most precious thing I've ever seen 
He did the Star is Born soundtrack, right? Another artist whose vocals are not objectively great, but by any measure, vibe, feeling, character, just magic. One of our favorite singers, David Gray. Oh. We've talked a few times on the show about White Ladder, but I want to play a song from his 1994 album, Flesh. I actually saw him play on that tour in New Haven, Connecticut, and I was blown away. I was brought by someone, didn't know anything about him, and fell in love with this. And then he sort of disappeared for a few years and then came back in 2000 with White Ladder. And that record really changed my life. I know it changed your life. And I know there's a light at the end of the tunnel Because I taste it on your lips And I feel a weight that can bear me double You lift it with your fingertips So often it happens that words prove useless In the face of how it feels So it is as the mystery of love keep growing The more my heart reveals Three more singers I want to mention real quick. Tom Waits. Speaking of expressivity, does anyone do it better than Tom Waits? Rasp, gravel, guttural. It's also really unusually deep. A highlight from one of his albums... Mule Variations, song called Hold On. They hung a sign up in our town. If you live it up, you won't live it down. So she left Monte Rio's son. Just like a bullet leaves a gun. Another in the not objectively great category, Greg Brown. An incredible singer-songwriter from Iowa. One of my all-time favorites. His catalog is so broad and so deep, but the track that I want to play is from his album Slant Six Mind called Spring and All. Clint, you and I have been talking about going through old love letters that we have and, and our wives are respectively <laughs> saying, okay, it's time, time, to, to, chuck time it. to chuck them, right? <laughs> it's, it's fun to go through those. And, and really because, as you and I have talked about, we don't keep journals so in some ways, it's a way for us to be reminded of what we're going through. Yeah. There's a lyric from this song that I just love and I think about all the time. Thanks for the letters you sent back to burn. Their smoke is as light and as dark as your touch. Thanks for the letters you sent back to burn. Their smoke is as light and as dark as your about his voice singing those incredible lyrics makes it all the better wow i have a couple that fit into that category as well i would put janice joplin in that mm. janice joplin had such a unique voice she basically just screamed was very emotional and got very real but boy could she scream she could scream and part of that was just the southern comfort and the cigarettes and she just gave it everything she had. And there's something about that. Like you 
get somebody who is that real and that emotionally charged and it comes through their voice it's hard not to get on the bus and so you're probably going to disagree with me but in 1991 i saw guns and roses for the first time and i it was in indiana i grew up in indiana we've talked about this and went to deer creek axel rose say what you will about axel rose Appetite for Destruction era Axl Rose is untouchable as a voice. I don't know anyone else on the planet who could do that the way he did it. He would run for three hours on those stages and Use Your Illusion tour, that massive stage. They took this, the world tour for Use Your Illusion was, it was like a city block and he would run from one side to the other at full speed, all the while screaming at the top of his voice. his voice i'm sure he did but unbelievably sustainable at that level like he could get through the night he is a great singer he's a terrible singer and yet he's one of the greatest singers of all time right like he's not you would never say that Axel has a great voice but he was telling you what it was up right he was giving it to you he was telling you and lyrically he was speaking from the heart and it was also screaming at that high of a pitch, it's just very few people can do that. It's incredible. And you're right. There's only one Axl Rose. Right. And it reminds me of Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robert Plant, kind of the same thing. Robert Plant had more, he didn't scream as much. He just had that super high tenor thing. And he could scream. Hey, hey, my- But he wasn't screaming like Axel was screaming. It's like two different styles of singing. Right. And and Robert Plant wasn't as angry as Axel was. And That's I think true. there's something to the anger that he had that comes out through his voice that really moves me. But the one thing we haven't talked about yet is sustainability, right? We haven't talked about Robert Plant can't sing like Robert Plant used to sing. And there's something to be said like that. Roger Daltrey from The Who can't sing like Roger Daltrey used to sing. He's singing a couple sing. keys down. couple, yeah. Paul Whole McCartney. Steps. Paul McCartney, McCartney, who is one of my all-time favorite singers, has to be in this conversation. Yes. He's still singing in the original keys. Original keys. And that's, that's something. At 78, he's still singing the original keys. Three hours a night. Four hours a night. Like, here's... I have a... 
isolated vocal track from Maybe I'm Amazed. One of the great oh, yeah. vocals in popular music. Let's listen. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Maybe I'm afraid of the way I love you. Maybe I'm amazed the way you pulled me out of time. You hung me on a line. Maybe I'm amazed at the way I really need you. And another isolated vocal track of Paul McCartney's, this one, Oh Darling. He would do this song every time he would l- get to the studio. It would be the morning, right? His first take. He didn't say anything right. in the morning. Smoke a bunch of cigarettes. Until he came in. The first sounds that he would utter would be the first take. Right. And then he would do this day after day and eventually <laughs> hit it. One, two, Oh, darling, please believe me, I'll never do you no harm. Believe me when I tell you, I'll never do you no harm. And you can hear it in the track. It's just he's screaming. Oh, darling, if you leave me, I'll never make it alone. I mean, he's just giving it everything he has. It's one of the tops. Yeah. Paul McCartney is so accurate as a singer. When you learn these Beatles songs and you get the book out, like we all do, you get the book, you start playing these songs, even the song Yesterday, it's not an easy song to sing. No. The melody is, it's singing a cappella, I find difficult. It's not a super easy song. And yet he just is so pitch perfect. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. And his quality, the other thing we haven't talked about is like, you can hear Paul McCartney in his voice, right? Like you hear him as a human. Like, yes, we know a lot about him. And so I feel like I know him somehow. But I hear that in his voice in the same way as like anybody that we're talking about. And you just hear him as who he is. Why she had to go, I don't know, she wouldn't say. You know what we should do? We should call somebody. Who should we call? We should call Jeff Simons. Let's do it. He's going to have some things to say. Hello? Jeff, you've got Rich and Clint on the line. <laughs> it feels like forever since I've talked to you guys. <laughs> What's up, Jeff? How's it going? Jeff, you are not only our favorite guest on this show, but you are our listener's favorite guest on the show. <laughs> I love that. I'll take it. But how can you possibly call that reliable data? <laughs> <laughs> it's qualitative research. <laughs> Okay, Jeff, today's question is, who is the best singer? 
And we're not talking about front men or front women. We're talking about the best singer. Best singer. Okay, well, so, geez. I mean, I work for a pretty amazing singer. Megan Slankard is a phenomenal singer. I mean, she's really just like, just has it all. She's got pitch and control and delivery, and she can sing with a whisper and hit hit the high note like you would not believe. Like, she's just a virtuoso. That's a wrap. Shit half bad, get me off to bed Think I'm dying slightly After a day like that So there are nights when she's my favorite singer when I'm on stage with her and she hits the high note on Show Up and I'm like, I can't even believe I'm up here while somebody's doing that. Hmm. Um, I love David Hidalgo's voice, the lead singer from uh, Los Lobos, hmm. uh, or one of the lead singers, but the guy who has just that plaintive, he's just like, that guy's voice just destroys me. Deep inside of open door, look around on no one for way to back hardly see oh no can't believe it. Oh yeah, almost see it. I'm a, I mean it's boring but like you know aretha 67 to 69 uh when she sings soul serenade i think soul serenade if i had to pick one aretha song i want to be free to She sings that is just uh she's so out of control virtuosic and, um and there's something about the way they recorded her voice where it like blows yeah, oh out God. the mic a little bit and like it's just so perfect she's got her own sound in addition to her voice it's like on record her voice has a very distinctive sound because of the microphone they used and i don't know what yeah it that's was. that's really well said and then you know like if you talk about like Harmony vocalists, like it's hard to beat the the Beatles when they really got it going. Like the the when they sing because on Abbey Road, oh, or yeah. when uh, John and Paul sing the two of us together, or uh, like there's something I wouldn't pick Paul or John separately. I don't think, but together, like I'm not sure there's a better. I mean, people bring up the Everly Brothers as like the the best duo on, but I I actually think John and Paul are hard to beat for just unbelievable blend and harmonizing mm. i just love that i love the way they sing so you're not going hall and oats for the best duo is that what you're saying that's a close it's okay. a close uh, okay. second okay so jeff i saw something you posted about bob dylan i wonder if you could yeah 80th birthday so talk a little bit about bob dylan as a vocalist because you know objectively it's not a very good voice in no. fact a lot of people think it's a bad voice mm-hmm but and it is now let me just say like i i'm a huge dylan fan but there are dylan fans who embarrass themselves and lose all credibility by claiming that he still sounds good like if you go online right now you can find a blog like saying that dylan's best performance for two months ago <laughs> when he gave like a rolling stone all this new meaning i mean poor bob he can't sing he cannot sing anymore if you go to see bob dylan it's because you want to be in the same room with right. Bob Dylan and say that you were there. But I mean, he's, he can't say his voice is shot. 
but it didn't used to be. It was nasal and it was untrained. And when he when he first started recording, you know, it was the moment of crooners. It was like, you know, they were still signing people who sounded like whose voices were remarkable for their sound, but not for what they communicated necessarily. And so, you know, they would give Dylan songs to other people who were professional singers. But if you don't go in expecting Pat Boone or Robert Goulet, like Dylan's voice up until, I mean, I would give, I would say up until about 1980 is an incredibly expressive instrument. And there's a couple of tracks where he's, he's just a great singer. The one you're talking about, Rich, is Moonshiner mm. from the Bootleg series. It's a, an outtake from Times Era Change. And then what you learn by listening to Dylan's outtakes is what a terrible picker of his own material he is. Like, that guy left, frequently left the best song off his records. Maybe oh. not like Highway 60 Run Revisited, but like, there's a lot of records where you hear the outtakes and you're like, how in the hell is this song not on that bad record to improve it? And Moonshiner is, is just, he's got total control. He sings really quietly. When he goes up to the high notes, he's totally in control. You know, he's got total pitch control. He's got volume control and, he, and he's really restrained. And you believe the story. I've been a Shiner. You know, if you gave Moonshiner, which is a song about like a, you know, an alcoholic, to a beautiful voice, it would lose something. Like mm. it would be a prettier listening experience. But that's you such a great he's point. That guy, that, you know, that sums it all up right there. I love that idea that like there's something like a like a perfect voice can sometimes rob a song of its meaning and that because of his imperfections or because of the character of his voice is able to imbue the songs with meaning and emotion I go to some hollow and say of my still You talk also, Jeff, about Visions of Johanna. What's the version that you're talking about? So um, Dylan went on this really famous tour in 1966 of Europe where he took the band that would become the band, like Cripple Creek, that the weight, those guys, but when they were still known as the Hawks, when they were kids from Canada who were backing up an R&B singer named Ronnie Hawkins. And Dylan played for an hour, solo acoustic, took a 10-minute break, and then came out and played for an hour with the band. And they were these crazy concerts where people would sit in rapt silence, almost like they were at the foot of a deity for the acoustic part, and then would boo the band through the entire electric section, like slow clapping and whistling and booing, because they thought rock and roll was for kids, and these were like people who thought of themselves as kind of serious undergraduate intellectuals and were there to hear a folk artist, not a rock and roller. And they just, they were just behind the times. They weren't ready for the idea that, that an artist could be both. And the most famous night is from Manchester, England, about a week before the tour was over. Dylan plays Visions of Johanna, and he played the exact same songs every night for a month and a half. So by the time he's done 30 of these shows, He's got these songs down. And Visions of Johanna is unreleased at that point. So, like, 
you're in a 2000 seat hall watching Bob Dylan's solo guitar harmonica and he's playing the song you've never heard before and it's eight minutes long and has seven verses it's about a love affair but it's also about heroin addiction and it's super imagistic man he sings the hell out of visions of johanna and i love the version of blonde on blonde but blonde on blonde it's got kind of a country lilt and johanna just just him and the guitar i mean it's all about his voice and the choices he's making and where he just chooses to breathe and not breathe and he needs just like the night they play tricks when you're trying to be so quiet We sit here stranded Though we all do our best to deny it And Louise holds a handful of rain Tempting you to defy it Lates flicker from the opposite loft In this room the heat pipes just call The country music station plays soft But there's nothing, really nothing to turn off If you don't like that, then you just like Dylan and there's just no hope, you know? Before we let you go, Jeff, Another one of your favorites I know is Tom Petty. And Tom Petty and Bob Dylan are often lumped together in part because they collaborated together, but also because they both had this nasally... Yeah. Right. Whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to us about Tom Petty's voice. Well, I thought Tom's voice got better as he got older. You know, like, I mean, I never had a bad voice, but like when you listen to him in the late 70s, he is a little bit of a parody of himself, like... Refugee like has these moments that are really stu- where that that nasal's really stylized. And by the time you get to Wallflowers, he's just singing. You belong among the wildflowers. You. to sing quietly and still communicate and still have a like to have some tension in the song like he's a guy who i think his he was lucky that he didn't destroy his voice in time for him to learn a little bit more about how to use it and and tom petty is very accurate like when you he see him live he is dead on like he's not he's no joke like he had major vocal control it's just the character of his voice that was interesting but yeah. he was a badass singer, man. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. I mean, he I, I saw him like I'm not not exaggerating. I think I saw him over twenty times. And wow. I never saw him had a bad night vocally. I mean, I saw him pretty drunk. Like all he could get out between songs was thank you so much. Like that's all he had. <laughs> but he was he has so much muscle memory for the material that the, he was still great. And um, he did those those sessions even back with damn the torpedoes. He and Jimmy Iovine was making him do a hundred takes of songs. Yeah. He sang every take. Yep. Like it was all Can you imagine live. doing that? Can you imagine being in a session like that now? Hell like, no. 
I mean, that people would call the police. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'd, they'd report the producer for abuse. Totally. Like, you know, Jeff, we do this, Clint and I do this series called Select Sessions. And the second Select Sessions, I think, Clint, was Damn the Torpedoes. Yeah. What I remember about it was that everyone who was singing that night blew out their voice. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's pretty high. So it's funny. all in A. It's all yeah. guitar chords. Yeah. Right? So it's all... Oh, so high. It's so high. It don't really matter me, baby. I'm this song in the car a million times, and then you realize like the whole chorus is two notes above your your best note. <laughs> yeah. You can do it <laughs> once, so maybe. Yeah. Totally. Well, Jeff, we love talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much as always, and we look forward to having you back on soon. Literally anytime, my friends. Thanks, well. Jeff. All right, buddy. Bye. Right. Okay. Bye-bye. That was that was great. <laughs> did we do it? No, I don't think we did, Clint. There's so much to talk about. We have so much to say. And we're really just scratching the surface. I think we need to come back next week for part two. I mean, we have some great people that we want to talk to. Yeah, no, we did not do it. But we hope you had fun, as much fun as we did. (laughs) And we hope you'll join us next time when we finish answering this age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. <laughs>